Greetings, and welcome to Blue Stocking, the podcast for people who love to learn, but don't always have time to study. I'm your host, Rory Roberts, and since this episode is being released on August 1st, I'd like to wish a belated happy birthday to one of my favorite authors, J.K. Rowling, who turned 53 on July 31st, as well as her most famous creation, Harry Potter, who would be 38. Now, to celebrate this, I thought I'd put together some interesting facts about her, which some of them you've probably already heard and some of you, some of them you may not have, um, as well as some really cool quotes from her. There are links in the show notes to these stories. Um, There's also a really interesting story about charities that are related to the Harry Potter world. Uh, The link to that is in the show notes as well. And there's also an interesting article about how J.K. Rowling used her depression and used that momentum of kind of hitting rock bottom in her life to change the course of her life and really go after something that she wanted. So both of those quotes are in the show notes as well as the things that I'll be sharing. So let's get started. Uh, Her first Harry Potter manuscript was rejected by 12 publishers before Bloomsbury picked it up, but her publisher did suggest that she not use her real name, Joanne Rowling, for her books because They didn't believe boys would want to read a fantasy book about a boy wizard that was written by a woman. The K in JK is the initial of her grandmother's name, Kathleen. Rowling had no middle names of her own. Friends and family just call her Jo. In 1993, she spent Christmas in Edinburgh with her sister and her young daughter, Jessica. She stayed for a few months and received welfare benefits while she finished writing Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, also known as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. J.K. Rowling completed her first draft of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in 1996 on an old manual typewriter. A voracious reader from an early age, Rowling said she based the character of Hermione Granger on her 11-year-old self. She also used to write books for her family's entertainment and penned her first one at age six, titled Rabbit. Uh, P.S. Side note, I don't know if you can hear my cats playing with a paper bag in the background, but um, that's not going away anytime soon, so apologies. Also, another side note, um, I was a budding young author myself, and I wrote some stories about, some illustrated stories about mermice when I was six. So I, I have that in common with the lovely Miss Rowling. In her late 20s, struggling as an underemployed single mom after a failed marriage, Rowling went through a period of clinical depression. Her experiences with this later inspired her descriptions of the soul-stealing Dementors introduced in the third Potter book. Uh, Her first book advance for Harry Potter was only 1,500 British pounds, and her net worth is estimated to be around 1 billion US dollars. In 2004, Forbes magazine declared her the first person to become a US dollar billionaire, primarily through book writing. Rowling's parents actually met on a train from King's Cross Station. 
Potter fans will recognize King's Cross as the magical gateway into the wizarding world. On her writing style, Miss Rowling says, I am quite disciplined in my writing and do try to have a set working day, but I don't set myself targets of number of words to achieve. The first print run of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was a mere 1,000 copies, but now the seven Harry Potter books have sold nearly 500 million copies worldwide. She wrote two companion books to the Harry Potter series in 2001, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Quidditch Through the Ages. Rowling has a charitable heart and a funny bone. In 2009, she donated the proceeds of the two Potter companion books to Comic Relief, a total estimated at over 17 million pounds and counting. She received an honorary degree from Harvard University in 2008, where she gave a stirring commencement speech. And only one Harry Potter character is named after a real person, Natalie MacDonald, who was a young Canadian girl who wrote to Rowling shortly before she died of cancer. Rowling's first adult book, The Casual Vacancy, was published in 2012 and was adapted into a three-part TV miniseries aired in early 2015 on BBC One and HBO. Rowling has over 14 million Twitter followers. She regularly communicates with fans and even gets into arguments over comments or behavior she disagrees with. Uh, for example, I don't know if you all remember the kerfuffle about Albus Dumbledore's sexuality. In reality, who cares? I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with how he taught or led the school, but that's just me. Um, and I, I think she agrees. Uh, in 2015, Rowling came to the defense of tennis star Serena Williams on Twitter when someone posted a sexist comment about Williams' physique. She has also called out, called out Rupert Murdoch for making Islamophobic comments. And if you are an American listening to this, you know she has also called out somebody else for his comments. Say you're a guy for my dollop fans. Okay. You know you've become an icon when you make a guest appearance on The Simpsons. Rowling was animated into the long-running comedy series in 2003 in an episode in which the family visits the UK. Rowling founded the international children's organization Lumos, whose mission is to support the 8 million children in institutions worldwide to regain their right to a family life and to end the institutionalization of children. Again, that link is in the show notes if you click on the story about different charities associated with Harry Potter. In March 2015, Rowling received the British Red Cross Humanity Award for her charitable work and advocacy for humanitarian causes. The award honors prominent philanthropists and humanitarians whose work has changed people's lives around the world. In 2015, Lumos won the Overall Charity of the Year Award at the UK Charity Awards. In 2010, when J.K. Rowling turned 45, the same age her mother was when she died of multiple sclerosis, Rowling donated £10 million to the University of Edinburgh to found a clinic in her mother's name. The Anne Rowling Regenerative Neurology Clinic opened in January 2013. 
She based Quidditch on her favorite sport to watch, which is basketball. And due to the popularity of the books, Quidditch has become an actual sport with teams at many universities and its own World Cup tournament. On May 8, 2012, Rowling was granted the Freedom of the City of London, a traditional ceremony normally reserved for royalty and heads of state. The first recorded freedom was presented in 1237. And I will try to include a link about that in the show notes as well, because it's fascinating. In 1982, she took the entrance exams for Oxford, but was not accepted. She ended up studying French at Exeter, a university with a reputation for being frantically posh, as Rowling puts it. And how much do you think Oxford regrets that choice now? Just saying. Uh, She also taught English in Portugal. Rowling had significant input into the film adaptations of the Harry Potter series, which became the second highest grossing movie series in cinema history. She consulted on the film scripts and later joined the operation as a producer. She's also created a detective novel series under the pen name Robert Galbraith. She says she wrote under a pseudonym because I was yearning to go back to the beginning of a writing career in this new genre to work without hype or expectation and to receive totally unvarnished feedback. Her secret identity was revealed on Twitter a few months after she published her first book under the Galbraith name. Rowling sued the people who leaked the information and won her case. She donated the damages she was awarded to charity. Of course she did, because she is awesome like that. Uh, Career of Evil is the third book in the series featuring private detective Cormoran Strike and his assistant Robin Ellicott. The first two books are titled The Cuckoo's Calling and The Silkworm. I've read the first one, Cuckoo's Calling, and it was really good. I need to catch up and read the next two. Robbie Coltrane, the actor who played Hagrid, says his character was modeled after a Hell's Angel biker Rowling had met. Harry Potter has inspired more than 600,000 pieces of Harry Potter fanfiction, a total that increases by at least a thousand stories a week. And confession, when I was in college, a friend and I totally had a fanfiction that we were co-writing. It was pretty cheesy, but awesome. The names of the houses at Hogwarts were originally written on a barf bag. I'm a Ravenclaw, how about you? And last but not least of the facts, the house J.K. Rowling would choose at Hogwarts would be Gryffindor because, as she says, I value courage beyond almost anything. I'd like to now share some inspiring quotes from the lady herself. This is from an article on the CBC website titled, Four Reasons Why J.K. Rowling is the Only Person Who Could Have Created Harry Potter. Since first meeting Harry in 1997, readers across generations have celebrated the Wizarding World created by Rowling over seven books, spin-offs, and an award-winning play. In 2000, Rowling was riding high on the success of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the fourth book in her best-selling series. She came to Toronto to promote the book, which included speaking to Eleanor Wachtel for an episode of Writers and Company, and if you follow the link in the show notes, you can hear this interview. Number one, she loves magic. 
There are certain themes within the books that are perennial and recurrent, particularly in children's literature. I've always said I think the appeal of magic is particularly profound to children because of their powerlessness. The idea that you would be given extra powers and be able to organize the universe according to your plan or just your little world according to your wishes is enormously appealing. Number two, she follows her own rules. I set down certain rules and boundaries for what can and can't be done. Every now and then you'll stumble across one of your own rules and feel an urge to cheat and bend it, but you can't do that. One of the earliest and most important boundaries I put down was to do with death, whether they could overcome death or bring people back from the dead. I decided early on that couldn't be done. There are many laws like that. Some substances can't be mutated, some substances can't be transfigured. I think it's that structure underpinning the magic that makes the books appealing because you do feel that not everything is possible. Because after all, if anything were possible, there would be no tension in the books and therefore no drama or story. Number three, she believes in doing the right thing. A thread running through Voldemort's followers, or at least most of them thus far, has been a particular kind of moral weakness. Professor, Qu Professor Quirrell is a huge coward and he's gravitating towards someone he sees as powerful enough to protect him. And he was wrong. But the important piece for me is at the end of the book four, when Dumbledore is speaking about the death of a character and he says, remember him if ever you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy. That really is the key for me. It is so much easier not to stand up and protest. It's much easier to just go with the flow and kid yourself that things won't get much worse. Indifference is a terrible thing. And reason number four, she wants to share her love of reading with the world. The thing I would like, I, I would, excuse me, <laughs> the thing I would most like to think I had imparted to anyone is a love of reading. I mean that. If I felt that even one person had grown to a better appreciation or to a love of books and that that had started with Harry, I think I would die happy. That's all I wanted. Uh, for this article, J.K. Rowling's comments have been edited and condensed, but I, I love, I love that quote, especially at the end uh, where she, where she talks about introducing people to a love of reading. I think that's so powerful. I actually do have friends who got into reading because of Harry Potter and are now avid readers. And when we were kids, they weren't. So it's it's really, it speaks to me on that level. Um, before we go, I wanted to share a couple little personal notes and stories with you. Um, my first introduction to Harry Potter, and I was really reluctant because I was one of those ornery children who didn't want to do the popular thing um, and I thought that they were probably just super hyped but I was part of a uh, competition in literary criticism for school and every year um, it, it was an intramural competition so uh, you would compete against other schools and every year they would change the the novel that you had to read for it. My junior year, the book 
was the first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I put off reading and I put off reading until finally one time I had gone to a contest and I had taken the test. I think I got sixth place um, and my coach came back to me and she was very upset. Um, and she told me, you could have gotten first if you had gotten the Harry Potter questions right. Read the damn book. Um, so <laughs> I, oh, I grudgingly said I would read it that weekend. And I got home and didn't, didn't start it until late that night. And then I ended up staying up all night and being tired for church the next day and reading the next day as soon as I got home. And it was so good that I had to immediately purchase the second book. I was just so into it. And I was mad at myself for waiting so long to read it. Um, but if you haven't read the books yet and you're on the fence, I say give it a shot. They're so beautifully done. They're, they're so engrossing. Um, it reminds me of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and how I got so into those. And even when I was a child, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, which I was really into as well. Um, heads up though, if you're thinking about Chronicles of Narnia and you're thinking about them for children, I know a lot of people were upset and angry about the Harry Potter books because they thought it celebrated dark magic and all of that. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia get dark in the later books, like really dark and disturbing. Um, as in, I've still had nightmares from reading them years ago. Um, it, it, they get dark, so you might actually start with something like Harry Potter um, or even Lord of the Rings because those other, like the the Chronicles of Narnia, I mean, they're great, um, and and the first books are much gentler than the la la latter. But oh my goodness, do they get dark? Well, uh, that's all I have for you today. Happy birthday, wherever you are, J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. I think you're both fabulous. Um, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to email bluestockingpod at gmail.com. That email address is also in the show notes. And if you happen to be a listener in Boardman, Oregon, I'm really curious because I got a lot of hits from that particular location this past week. Um, shoot me an email and tell me what's up. Is there a book club up there that's really into blue stockings? Because I'll come visit. It sounds awesome. Looks like a really neat little town. All right, that's it for today. If you love it, tell a friend. If you hate it, tell an enemy.